Hello, and welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka, and this is our co-host. Hi, I'm Aaron. Now, the case I have for y'all today is a doozy. Now, I could not stop thinking about it as soon as I read about the story because it's so crazy. I'm excited. Let's do this. All right. Now, today we're on a family farm in Earlville, Iowa. Now, this farm town is home to about 800 people, so it's very rural. And many businesses in the town retain the utilitarian look of working-class communities, and most of the photos that I found of Earlville are actually historic images of things like community buildings and schoolhouse gatherings. So it's like super vintage and just sort of like a thing of the past if you look it up. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. You know, it sounds kind of uh, peaceful, rustic almost. Um, It definitely has a rustic vibe. Uh, I don't know. I always find something really insidious about very rural communities. So I feel like there's a part of me that's like, oh, no, like as soon as I see it. Uh, Like you immediately get that impending sense of dread. Definitely. I mean, to be fair, like a lot of the pictures that I found, because as everyone knows, I love to Google stuff. Um, were like almost like historic looking postcards. And so they looked really cool. Like I would definitely buy some of these postcards. Yeah, you do love postcards. And they had some with like old buildings. You know how I'm like, I basically get a hard on for old buildings, just being honest. That you do. And so in some ways it's, it's kind of enchanting. Like it looks like a lot of nice land, but at the same time, so small, so in the middle of nowhere and just like, a place for murder. <laughs> a place for murder. <laughs> Today on A Place for Murder. Maybe that's what I should have named the podcast. A Place for Murder. <laughs> but I like the option of not always doing murders. That's why I said bad acts. There's lots of bad stuff you can do, people. I mean, don't. Don't do the bad stuff. Yes, please don't do the bad acts. Yeah, like, don't do them. Yes, just listen to us talk about them. All right. Now, most of the families who live in Earlville own hog farms, which made me sad because pigs. Just being real. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, as a side note, Aaron once bought some summer sausage. Um, I'm trying to stop eating meat again, but I started and I'm terrible. But anyway, so Aaron bought some summer sausage that I wanted to use for a charcuterie plate. I was going to have delicious cheeses and this summer sausage and some like pepperonis and stuff. All right. He bought the summer sausage that has a picture of a pig, a mama pig and a baby pig cuddling on the front of the summer sausage. Who does that? Apparently me. But in my defense, I wasn't looking at that. I just saw summer sausage and I put it in the cart. They were like cuddling. Seriously. I could not eat it, y'all. Like I really couldn't. It ruined the sausage. I can't eat. I can't eat any of it. Yeah, she didn't eat it. But honestly, I'm working on my attention to detail in the grocery yes, store. Yes, and I'm working uh, on returning to my vegetarianism because of my guilt. My <laughs> guilt, y'all. I know not everyone has the guilt. Maybe just be happy if you don't. I'm going to keep eating fish. <laughs> All right. So we're back to this hog farm. The whole story takes place on a hog farm. People buckle up. I'm not going to describe any murdered animals, so you're fine. Um, okay, so while the community of Earlville um, is filled with hardworking people, many of them actually own high-dollar farms that make them effectively 
millionaires. Now, to be fair, the farm has to remain successful in order for them to stay millionaires. But these are some high dollar farms we're talking about here, people. Not like a tiny little farm that's in the middle of nowhere. This like big, beautiful, like fancy farm that's still in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's crazy. I I didn't even realize that was a thing. But I mean, it, it makes sense, though. I know. I was like, I mean, it kind of does. I feel like we get the message that that farming is somehow like job that doesn't make you a lot of money because we always hear about people having to bail out the farms. Yeah. And I feel like we can see a lot of pictures of like farmers. I think maybe it's from like old timey literature, really. Like old timey American literature is always all like, Ava, we're going to run out the farm today. We The hay harvest didn't come in. Do you harvest hay? Is that a, th- is a hay harvest a thing? The hay harvest didn't come in today, Ava. We're yeah. going to die. I don't know if you harvest hay or not, but I totally understand. You do harvest it, but I don't know if it's like part of your like thing, part of your like produce. Yeah. Is there such a thing as a hay farm? I honestly don't know. We should probably learn that. Yeah, I mean, it's got to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, no, there's there's like farms that have hay. I'm just asking, is that like their main crop? Yeah, I I don't know. The like, isn't hay like wheat? Do you do? do Is like wheat like a is the hay the byproduct? Okay, you know what? This is not the topic. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry. All right, so we're going to get back to the story and stop talking about hay right now. So today we are talking about one of these million-dollar farm families, and it's fall 2018, specifically November. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. November. Now, 39-year-old Amy Mullis shared a multi-million dollar family farm with her 42-year-old husband, whose name was Todd. Todd's like the name that I like to use to make fun of people. Not that there's not like really cool dudes named Todd. It's just that like, how many cool dudes named Todd do you really know? It's not the most popular name for cool dudes. No. So, I like to use that name. And then I feel like justified after it, after this story. So forevermore, I will continue to use the name Todd to make fun of people. No offense to Todd's. Now, they lived on this farm with their three children, Tristan, Taylor, and Wyatt. And the couple worked the farm themselves with help from their kids. Now, over their 14-year marriage, they built up their farm business together. So we have like a thriving hog farm. Everybody's chipping in over here. It's making some money. We're worth some assets. Sounds like a nice life. Yeah, that's how it works, right? You're worth some assets. Yeah, exactly. You're worth your assets. I'm worth no assets, so. Oh, I I heartily disagree with that statement. (laughs) All right. I think you're talking about the wrong thing, Aaron, so I'm going to push on. (laughs) All right. Now, Amy had a reputation for being outgoing and excited about life. And she once worked as a nurse in an emergency room, which I think is a super badass job. Absolutely. Especially emergency room nurses, because there's a lot going on in there and things are constantly changing and people are like life and death in situations. I mean, that's like really like a balls to the wall job. And I feel like if you're doing it, you are kick ass. I totally agree with you. I literally could not do it. I could not either. Not even close. Nope. All right. Now she liked outdoor activities such as hunting, camping, and fishing. And in her spare time, she made t-shirts. That's a cool hobby. Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe she sold the t-shirts. That was not included anywhere. But I'm assuming if you're designing and making t-shirts, at some point, a t-shirt has been sold. Uh, I think there's a possibility of that, yeah. All right. I designed a t-shirt for the podcast. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Maybe that's my hobby now. Making podcast t-shirts? Yeah. 
There you go. All right. Maybe not. I that, don't know. We'll see pretty, how it goes. We'll see yeah, how it goes. It's a pretty cool t-shirt. Yes. I made Aaron wear it around the streets. Made? I, I was already He volunteered to, to wear this shirt, this shirt even, yeah. though, even though it was probably not the best shirt you could have ever received. I disagree with you. One, it's super comfortable. Two, it's got an awesome logo on it. All right. This is not an ad for the shirts. We're not selling okay. them, so this is not us trying to trick you into buying them. Maybe later. Yeah. If you want one, leave us a message and we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. However, okay, so back to Todd and Amy. However, their life together was far from perfect. Surprise! Surprise! I know. In a twist you never see coming on the podcast, their life is not perfect. That never happens on this show. I know. Now, part of the problem between the couple was that Amy liked going out and doing fun things and seeing friends and being awesome. And on the other hand, Todd just really liked staying home. Which is no excuse for murder. That is no excuse for murder. And TBH, like, I am more of a going out when there's not COVID. I'm more of like a going out, doing fun things, and seeing friends kind of person. And Aaron is more of a please don't make me go, I'm staying home today kind of person as a general. But we don't have any kind of problems balancing between those things. That's right. We're both very flexible. Sometimes I go out with my friends and Aaron has alone time. And that sounds really sad when I say it now, but he like really likes it. It helps me to relax and unwind. I'm kind of a lot if you're with me a lot, all the time. You're amazing and you, I love you. I understand that you need breaks for me and I'm fine with it. <laughs> all right. Um, COVID gives us no breaks. So he's with me all the time now. It's terrible. No, for it's him. wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Don't listen to that. All right. Now, Amy had been stepping out on their marriage, which is terrible. That is terrible. Having two affairs, at least. It's possible she had more, but we do have two confirmed affairs. Now, her first affair took place in 2013, which is five years earlier than our story start. Okay. All right. So, she has this affair, and then after that incident, Amy and Todd decide to work on their marriage. Um, I'm usually not a big fan of the work on your marriage plan because I feel like it doesn't really work that well. No offense to people who are doing it. I know that some people say it worked out fine, but like everyone I know who's like, quote, worked on their marriage, like it's never really the same again. And there's always some sort of doubt there and like, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not the boss of you. So do what you want. Right. Now, they started to work on their marriage, and Amy actually sacrificed her nursing job and instead chose to work with Todd on the farm. Now, this sounds like this like great selfless decision, but keep in mind that Amy told her friends that she did not really have a choice because uh, it was pretty much work on the farm with Todd and spend all of her time with him or, you know, I guess be murdered, apparently. <laughs> yeah, those are ter- that's a terrible choice. I mean, I guess I guess he said divorce at the time, but I mean, that's not how it plays out, so. Yeah. All right. So, she sacrifices her nursing job, goes to work on the farm, and she's spending all of the time on the farm. So, she's spending way more time with her family, too. Now, I'm sure she was happy to spend more time with her kids because, by all accounts, she was an awesome mom who loved her kids so much and was just, like, all about them. So, I'm sure she loved spending that extra time with her kids. But, Todd, not so much. Because Todd was basically a prison warden. Oh, man. That sounds unpleasant. Yeah. Now, her friend, Terry Stainer, talked to 48 Hours about this change in Amy's life. And she said that Amy felt like Todd wanted to watch every single move she made and that he was basically keeping track of her whole schedule. So, if she left to go to the store, Todd was noticing what time it was. When she got home, he was tracking what time she got home. 
friends, everything. She had to get approval from him to be friends with someone and to basically go out and do anything. That sounds miserable. It really does. They would actually, her friends would call her um, Pot, like Prisoner of Todd. Or I, it might have been P-O-T, but wow. Prisoner of Todd. Wow. Yeah, you know it's bad when like your friends are just like, your whole nickname is just how much your husband abuses you. Yeah, for real. It sounds like they're planning a jailbreak, you know? Exactly. Because spoilers, keeping your wife locked up at your house is a form of abuse, people. Like, it's not a healthy relationship that you're having here. That's right. I know. I was like, I was shocked. <laughs> shocked at what happened later when their <laughs> marriage went all to hell. Yeah. No Our- one could have seen that coming. Because as you can imagine, Todd's decision to keep Amy under his thumb didn't make for a happy marriage. And in fact, Amy started feeling trapped and unfulfilled. And her eyes soon started to wander again. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. Um, I would have to say, though, I normally am all like, how dare you cheat on someone? But, like, this story had me, like, hardcore rooting for Amy. And I, I know that's probably wrong. I feel like I've been conditioned to root for Amy based on, like, countless Lifetime movies. Yeah. Just like, oh, she's being oppressed. Like, oh, and the handsome stranger comes. He's not that handsome, being honest. Like, I've seen the pictures. But anyway, the handsome stranger comes riding in on his horse. And he's like, you deserve better life. Yeah. It's hard not to root for the for the person whose husband is an abusive dickhead, though. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we're at. We're somehow rooting for this affair to happen. Um, no offense if you're not. Like, it's fine. So this time, the couple's field manager, Jerry Frasher caught her eye. Now, although, although Frasher already had a wife and two kids, he returned Amy's affection. Because why not? We're on a farm in the middle of nowhere. Let's just start our own little soap opera and bone it out in the barn. Yeah. Because that's what's happening, people. Boning on the barn? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe not specifically the barn, yeah. but some of it happened on the farm. It's the, the brand new Lifetime original movie coming to a TV near you, boning on the in the barn. Boning in the barn. So romantic. Uh, I'd watch it. I would watch that too. <laughs> I hate how much you would watch that. Our standards for media are becoming too low. All right. So sadly, we would both watch that movie. <laughs> now, all right. Now they started texting and spending more time together, keeping it a secret from their spouses. Now his wife is kind of a victim in this, so that sucks. Yeah. Um, and by May 2018, Amy and Frasher were entangled in an affair. So naughty. Now, they stole secret moments together for a romantic rendezvous whenever they could. Sometimes they hid on the farm together to, you know, do stuff. But they also took advantage of secluded roadways, you know, like teenagers do. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds a lot like something teenagers would do. I know. Shout out to getting stuck on a road that you weren't supposed to be on because you were trying to make out with your boyfriend or girlfriend or <laughs> both. Not at the same time. Or maybe at the same time. At the same time sometimes for some people. Get it. Yeah, look, do you do what sparks joy? I have like, I have a shame story about a, a dark road, a dark secluded roadway that I was on with a with a person And I had to get rescued because we killed the car. The car died whilst we were being flirtatious in the car on the secluded roadway. And we had to hike out to the main road and then flag someone down and get them to come back into the woods with us to fix our car, like to jump it. 
Wow. Yes. Shout out to me for not looking dangerous on our roadway. And what? For, for not getting murdered. That sounds kind of yeah, dangerous. Yeah, I guess I could have gotten murdered. Yeah. Honestly, if I would have called my parents, I would have gotten murdered anyway. So it was kind of <laughs> 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 My safest bet was random stranger from the road. <laughs> All right. So that's a real story yeah. that happened in my life. All right, so Amy and Frasher, although they were in their 30s slash 40s, were enjoying the teenage lifestyle back here on the secluded roadways. And because they were real adults, they were also able to visit a few hotels. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like, how do you not get caught immediately when you go to a hotel? Like, if I saw a hotel charge on my freaking bank account, I would, oh my god. Like, I don't even want to define my reaction to that. Yeah, like, unless we were, like, actively traveling or having a vacation or something. Yeah, like, like excuse yeah. me? Excuse me? Like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. What is this shit? Th- th- that'd be a major red flag. Yeah. Be like, that's a flag on the play. Does anyone let you pay for hotel rooms with cash anymore? I not, feel like they don't. Not a reputable hotel, at least. I mean... I mean, it's so hard for people to run away and start new lives these days. Yeah. <laughs> the hotel's not accepting cash and demanding ID. How dare they? All right. So they've been at these hotels as well and somehow managed to not get caught. I don't know how. Now, ironically, a small, insignificant action would bring Amy's entire house of cards tumbling to the ground because Amy decided to change up her hair to boost her self-confidence because it's amazing. Hair is like the key to your heart, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's the key to your confidence. Sure. So she goes and she gets this new hairdo. And this new do immediately sent up red flags for Todd. Because as anyone who's ever either dated someone who cheated or just looked into it because they were being paranoid or because they had to write an article about it, um, like some people that might be talking right now, um, cheating spouses often change up their look to impress a new partner. Sometimes they get fit, sometimes they get a whole new outfit, sometimes it's just hair and makeup, or just whatever makes them feel great, are like, they used to not shave anymore, now they're suddenly shaving again. These are all humongous red flags for a big fat cheater. And Todd had been cheated on before, so he was immediately like, oh my god, she changed up her hair, this bitch is cheating. Also, I shouldn't have called her a bitch, but that's, I'm just as Todd's words. Sure, yeah. All right, so he goes through phone records to try to figure out what kind of evidence he has that she's been cheating and he found 128 texts between amy and frasher Uh-oh. now obviously these are phone records so he can see that they exist but he cannot actually read any of the text messages so he immediately just decides in his mind they were having an affair now to be fair he was right but i do feel like he should be not jumping to conclusions before he investigates right i mean he's being a little paranoid it's just some hair all right, so he com- goes and he confronts Frasher and demands to know what is going on. So he's like basically yelling at this guy, asking him questions, accusing him of cheating on- cheating with his wife. And Frasher, for reals, just like stays cool and is like, nah, bro, I did not cheat with your wife. He tells Todd that the text messages were all about things like farm stuff, business stuff, texts about the kids. And so Todd is like checking with both of them. They're both giving this kind of like story of like, no, we're not doing anything. These were all legitimate text messages. Because keep in mind, since Frasher works for them, he has a reason technically to text both Todd and Amy, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 
It's a story that could be plausible, but I mean, honestly, I mean, obviously, it's not true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But still, I mean, ballsy to lie to this guy's face, though. Exactly, that is very ballsy. Now, at this point, Todd's gut is still telling him that he's right about this affair. So he called Frasher's wife to find out what she knew and basically questioned her point blank. Is your husband cheating with my wife? Now, Miss Frasher is apparently the queen of standing by her man because she believed everything her husband told her. No, I'm not having an affair. This is just my coworker. So she reassures Todd like, no, this could not possibly be happening. They're just working together. Everything's fine. We need to trust them. And this actually worked. So Todd's mind is at ease for a while. And Todd even goes and apologizes to both Amy and Frasher for having these suspicions and accusing them. But he also asked them to stop texting. And they did. Okay. Now, I have to say, it is pretty... I can't even describe the the emotion that I feel when I'm like... Wait, he apologized to them? Like, if I were doing the... Just being honest. Like, I agree that Todd is a douchebag. And I understand why she's cheating on him. But, like... If you're actually cheating on someone, they catch you and then you're like, no, I'm not doing it. And they're like, I'm sorry. I never should have suspected you. I trust you now. Don't you feel like a dick a little bit? (laughs) I think you would have to, or you should. I mean, I would never make it that far, but like, I just feel like at that point, even if I did, I'd be like, all right, you got me. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. You do have a tendency to tell everybody. I like to tell everyone my business. I do not like keeping secrets. I hate it. It's wrong. It's It's a good thing though. I, I like to announce my secrets. I hate it when people accuse me, too, of doing something or, like, keeping a secret or doing something behind someone's back. Because I'm like, have you met me? Like, I literally tell – I tell everyone all my shit. One time, I, my friend and I were planning to go to, like, a club when we were, I think, 18. I forget. We might have been 17. And it was, like, a youth-type thing. But it was, like, at a club we weren't supposed to be going to. And she's like, we're going to sneak out. And I legit just walked out the front door. And I'm like, I'm sneaking out to the club. I'm going with Michelle. Bye. And I just ran off. Like, that's how I sneak out. Like, I literally announced it to my parents and just, like, made a whole big production out of it. Yeah, Danielle's not the best sneaker. In my slut outfit that I was wearing, because I was wearing some scandalous clothes. I'm just going to be honest about it. My shorts, like, did not have sides. They, like, laced up. My dad, like, hated these shorts. It literally, they should not probably exist for teens. Like, it was offensive. My shorts were offensive. They were a crime. Uh, My mom let me buy them, so that's on her. Hi, Mom. Um, and you could see like my underwear, like I had like bikini briefs because I'm, I, I was like technically a child, I guess still. Cause I, I think I was 18 at this time, but like you could see the strap on the side. Like it was totally not classy at all. Like it was not, it was not like classy club clothes. It was like, you really need to get a different outfit, Danielle. But mm. I was determined y'all, I did not have style. All right. It took me a long time to figure that out. <laughs> All right, so they get Todd to apologize for accusing them of the affair that they are actually having, and they do stop texting. At this point, Amy and Frasher decided to just continue their affair with their spouses none the wiser, and Frasher did tell her that they needed to slow it down. Well, I mean, he's not wrong. But I don't know if they actually did, because over the next months, Amy grew closer with Frasher, and her feelings deepened from lust to something more like love. Uh Uh-oh, that's not a good thing. Yeah. Now, however, witnesses, our friends, I should say, do agree that Frasher didn't seem to share the same level of her feelings and that he may have just been enjoying the sexual part of the affair. But that's unclear because we don't really know. I mean, he can't really tell us now because, like, why would he be like, oh, yeah, I was totally going to leave my wife because, you know, 
Yeah, for real. Amy told friends that she thought Frasher was her future. He brought her happiness, and she hoped that they'd be married one day. Amy decided at this point that she wanted to leave Todd, but she was going to wait until after the farm's harvest season. When the crops came in, she could leave. This sounds... This is this is a bad plan, right? Like, this is the part in the story where, like, you know somebody's going to get murdered. W- w- you know, when they're like, oh, I need mm-hmm. to leave, but I'm going to wait until this thing happens. Like, you know they're never going to Yeah, make there's, it. like, a time limit on it. Yeah. Something bad always happens when you set, like, a target date. Yeah, exactly. I get what she means, though. I mean, this is a lot of money they have out there in their, this harvest, so it really doesn't make sense for her to, like, leave now it, before they get the harvest in because then... You know, like, they could lose part of the harvest. Like, there's a time limit on how long they can leave it out there. That's true. All right. So, this is her official plan. Now, in early summer 2018, Amy had actually stopped sharing a bedroom with Todd, which should have been a note to him that something was going on. And instead, she chose to sleep alone. And she also had started asking her family to help her put pieces of her new life in place. For instance, she stored furniture with her brother, Jerry Fuller, with the hopes that she'd eventually be able to move it into her new home, once she left, of course. As Amy prepared to leave, she confided in several friends that she worried about what Todd might do to her. She believed that Todd might kill her and told friends she might disappear if he found out about the affair. You know, if if you're worried that he's going to kill you if he finds out, shouldn't you be more careful about it? Like you're moving, you know, you're moving your furniture out and all this sort of stuff. I mean... I think she was kind of doing it surreptitiously, but also I don't really think we should put the burden on the victim to be sneaky. That, that's true. I'm, I'm and, and you're right. I'm not trying to blame the victim here or anything. I'm just I don't know. It just struck me as odd. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you mean. I just I just like I don't think she was being that obvious about it, but I, I mean, I could be wrong. Okay. No. Obviously, he figured it out. Yeah, one way or another, he did. Yeah. Now, she even warned friends to look for her in a wooded area near the farm that the couple had recently purchased if she suddenly disappeared, implying that her body would be hidden there. Wow, that's morbid. I know, that's like super morbid. I mean, I know that I have a lot of morbid thoughts because I'm so obsessed with true crime that I'm always thinking everyone's a murderer. But like, I can't imagine like picking out death spots for myself, you know? Like, oh yeah, that's where my body will be if I'm dead. Like, Yeah, that's crazy. Also, that's like for sure when I'm leaving. If, I start, if I'm like, oh yeah, I just realized my spouse would definitely murder me in that bush. Like, I'm not going to hang out around that bush. Nope. Uh-uh. Unlike Amy... Todd wanted nothing to do with a divorce. He knew that the divorce would cost him the farm, either because he couldn't afford to keep it or just because Amy would get half in the divorce. Not only that, but Amy would also get half of the money and half of their belongings, and he'd probably owe child support or alimony too. So we're looking at a lot of money for Todd. Although, to be fair, I mean, they've been married for 14 years. It's like half her stuff anyway. I just don't know what he expected at this point. Like... I feel like people get so caught up in, like, everything being theirs that they forget that, like, when you're with someone, you build everything together. Like, it's constantly a teamwork situation. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, he decided all this belonged to him, so he was like, "Uh uh-uh. Resentment is building up inside of Todd because not only is she cheating on him, but she's also threatening his financial security. And it's not really clear if he's more angry about the money or the fact that he feels basically cuckolded, because he was, because she's cheating on him. Now, at this point, an uneasiness has settled over the Mullis farm. Then, on November 10th, 2018, tragedy struck. Todd and the couple's 13-year-old son, Tristan, 
rose early that morning because the family had a new shipment of young pigs arriving on the farm. Now, father and son went to the hog barn together to handle the new arrivals, a task that would dominate most of the day. Now, the youngest smallest children, Taylor and Wyatt, stayed behind in the family home. Initially, Amy joined Tristan and Todd in the hog barn because it's a big job to prepare this barn for these baby pigs. The barn itself is a large open building that spread across about 100 yards of the family farmland. It's very large. It's humongous. It dominates photos. Yeah, that's a huge barn. Young Tristan began setting up heaters to warm the baby piglets once they arrived, while his father set up the watering system and his mother cleaned the barn lights. But there was a problem. Amy had recently had an outpatient surgical procedure and she still hadn't fully recovered. She was feeling a bit unsteady and maybe even a bit dizzy. She seemed to be having dizzy spells at the time, so perhaps working in the hog barn wasn't such a good idea. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, according to Todd, it was him who told Amy to put her health first and turn her attention to an easier task. He said that he didn't want her to get hurt. Likely story. Of course. Now, Amy finally agreed to go back to the house and rest, but first she needed to take care of an errand that Todd asked her to run. He told her that the farm had a new litter of feral kittens, and he worried that he might accidentally run over them with farm equipment, so he needed Amy to retrieve an old pet carrier to use as a temporary home for the kittens. Now, Amy walked 30 yards from the hog barn to a red shed on the Mullis farm where the crate was stored. However, she never returned. Now, about an hour and a half later, Todd realized that Amy never brought the pet carrier to the hog barn. So he asked Tristan to go check on his mother and also to retrieve the crate himself if necessary. Okay. So he sends him to the red shed, which becomes important later. Now, Tristan traced his mother's path to the red shed and made a horrible discovery. There on the ground lay his mother dead. Oh, no. Amy's crumpled body slumped forward on the ground of the shed as though she'd fallen on her hands and knees. The four tines of a corn rake were buried in her back. Now, for those of you who don't know, a corn rake is similar to a pitchfork. It's a little bit bigger and more dramatic than a pitchfork. And the tines on the rake are very long, very thick, and they're made out of metal. And they're intended for you to, like, gather up corn. So that's why they're so much bigger than, like, a regular, like, rake or regular um, pitchfork. Gotcha. All right, so we're talking about like a heavy tool here. Now, Tristan immediately started freaking out at this point because obviously something had happened to his mother, but like what could it possibly have been? Yeah. Now, not knowing what to do, he reached down and checked his mother's pulse on her neck and arm. Then he called for his dad, who rushed to the red shed. However, Todd didn't call 911 right away. That's a red flag. Big old red flag. Now, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt here because I thought, well, they're on a farm in the middle of nowhere. Maybe he did it because he was hoping that driving her towards the hospital would get help faster. But based on all the experts and what they said, I do think that maybe he did it because he was trying to get her away from the farm. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later just because um, of the situation. All right, now, instead of calling 911, he told Tristan to go get their truck. And then he pulled the corn rake out of Amy's back. Now, I don't agree with pulling the rake out for the reason that it might cause more bleeding. We all learned that from watching True Crime. But at the same time, I guess I can kind of understand his reasoning that he supplies in a moment. Now, Todd later explained at the trial that he turned Amy's face toward him. 
He said he wanted to see if she were alive and he called her name, Amy, Amy, but she didn't answer. Then he actually removed her body from the shed, carrying her out to the truck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now he claims that's because there was a tight walkway in the shed where she was lying. So it would be really hard for anyone to like get help to her. But at the same time, to me, that sounds like bullshit. And I just feel like he wanted to move her body away from the barn. Yeah, it seems, sounds like he's trying to contaminate the, the crime scene. Exactly, because he's eventually going to try to claim this as an accident. And somehow she, like, fell on the corn, the corn rake, which is ridiculous. But that's what his plan is. And I feel like he doesn't want the scene to be... Like, he wants a reason for the scene to be messed up so that nobody's like, oh, well, she fell this direction, but the corn rake was over here or whatever. Right, yeah. Yeah, so that's what's happening. Also, I think he might have wanted to make sure she was dead. Because, again, if you pull the corn rake out of the back and then the bleeding gets worse, then, like, that makes it more more likely she'll bleed out if you delay time. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, so he picks her up, he puts her in the truck, and actually plops her down on her son, Tristan, who was sitting in the passenger seat. Man, that's messed up. Who does that? Yeah, that's crazy. Like, that's her baby. Yeah, that poor kid. All right, so Todd started driving towards the hospital, and that's the point when he finally decided to call 911. Now, the 911 dispatcher immediately directed an ambulance their way and told Todd to pull over on the side of the road so he could administer aid to Amy. I mean, at this point, he is not trying to administer the aid. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Now, while they're waiting for the first responders, the dispatcher tells Todd to start chest compressions, and maybe he could try to save Amy. So he starts these chest compressions, and you can hear this on the call. If you want to listen to it, it's available. It's kind of weird. All right, now, the first deputy arrives on the scene, and he sees Tristan waving at him to stop. His clothes are stained with blood, so he knows he's at the right place. Um, now, the deputy went to Amy, but he, she already appeared unresponsive and covered in blood, and it didn't look good. Now, Todd claimed that Amy had been dizzy that morning, and he believed she'd fallen down on the rake. And he starts telling them this pretty much immediately. It also seems like a yeah. red flag. And surprise, his demeanor at the crime scene is described as being like, he's talking a lot and he can't stop talking, but that he doesn't seem to be like upset and sad. Yeah, definitely a red flag. Yeah, like you might say like a murderer would. Right. All right, so first responders... Um, first responders rushed Amy to the emergency department of a hospital where she used to work. And at first, everyone just assumed Amy's death was a freak accident. And somehow she'd fallen onto the corn rake, which just so happened to be lying there. Now, Dr. Craig Thompson, a medical examiner who also worked at the hospital and knew Amy when she used to be a nurse, decided to examine her body right away just to make sure that everything was on the up and up. Um, I, a lot of this is because some of the people who get involved in this that knew Amy knew that she had all these problems with Todd. So they were a little more suspicious than they might have been if this were like someone they didn't know. Yeah, well, that's good. Now, when the medical examiner evaluated Amy, he found something surprising. The corn rake had four tines, so they expected to find four puncture marks in her back. However, Amy's back showed six puncture wounds. Uh-oh, that's not good. Yeah, now it's possible that a freak accident could happen with the corn rake. And could leave four holes in Amy's back. But it would take more than one strikes to make the six. Exactly. So where do the other two wounds come from? From murder. From murder, 100%. Now, additionally, the corn rake tines went into Amy's back in two different directions. So some are pointing up and some are pointing down. Which indicates that there were at least two separate strikes. 
And experts say that Amy's killer may have struck her as many as three times. That's definitely murder. Now, they also noticed blunt force trauma from a strike to Amy's face, as well as scratches on her knuckles and on her knees. So, it looks like there's been some sort of a struggle. Yep. Now, Thompson immediately called Dr. Kelly Cruz, who is a forensic pathologist at the State Medical Examiner's Office, and Cruz performed the autopsy on Amy so that they could get the best quality results possible. That's good. Now, police began to suspect that Amy's husband, Todd, had impaled her on the corn rake pretty much immediately, but they also had to consider another suspect, Jerry Frasher, Amy's lover. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. good to consider all your different suspects. Yes, because after all, he had access to the mall's farm and that corn rake, and in a way, he would have the same motive as Todd because he was having an affair with Amy, but if he's not trying to leave his wife, she might become a problem for him, too. So they have to think about this. That's true. When police questioned Frasher, he told them he was at home 45 minutes away in Anamosa. He spent the day working with and watching a football game with his college aide's son. Not only did his son back him up, cell phone records pinged his phone in Anamosa around the time of the crime. So he's eventually cleared of any involvement based on the fact that they're able to validate his alibi. Good. Initially, Todd insisted that Amy must have died as a result of an accident. And he also claimed that he was a loving husband and everyone knew that. He told investigators that their marriage was good at the time of the murder and they weren't fighting. Even though Amy's friends said the exact opposite. Yeah, that's the red flag. Yeah, so everything's fine, but we're sleeping in separate rooms. And also, you already talked to her lover, I assume. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, so not all the markings of this is fine. Now, as an alibi, he told them he was in the hog shed with, with Tristan. So if she was murdered, it had to be someone else. Who could it possibly be? Now, father and son had been in the hog barn working when the incident occurred. That's true. But police didn't exactly believe that Todd and Tristan's stories were totally tight. They suspected that Todd was angry at Amy for ruining their marriage and had somehow slipped away from the hog barn to kill her. Okay. After talking to several investigators, a surprise change emerged in Tristan's story. Although he still said his father was with him in the hog barn, he now admitted that his father had stepped out of his eyesight for a brief moment to get some water. It wasn't a very long time, but could it be long enough to commit the murder? Possibly. It's possible. And they don't know exactly how long it was because, you know, Tristan's not knowing that this is the day of his mother's murder. He doesn't have a watch that he's checking. Like, all right, at 12.02, I'm in the barn. At 12.04, dad's here. At 12.06, dad's here. At 12.08, dad goes get water. Right. Like, that's not how that works. Yeah, exactly. So all he knows is that he didn't see his dad every single second, but he doesn't know if that's long enough for anything to have happened. Right. Additionally, police luck out. And they found surveillance cameras on the Mullis farm that covered the area around the red shed. Now, at this point, they're excited, right? Yay, we have surveillance footage. Maybe we caught our killer. Maybe we just see Amy going there by herself. Maybe we see Todd. Maybe we see, like, a hooded figure that just snuck onto the farm. Like, maybe we get some answers with this camera footage, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so they get this camera footage. They look at it, and it looks as though there's no camera footage from the day of Amy's murder or the days right before it. Hmm. But suspiciously, they had camera footage from the day after Amy's murder. Oh, come on. Now, according to Todd, because they asked him about this, the culprits here are his cats. Dun, dun, dun. The cats killed her. No, the cats destroyed the cameras. 
Now, he says the cats wanted a warm spot to sleep. So, they knocked off the cameras and then slept there. And the cameras no longer worked for a brief period of time. But after the murder, his fam- his friend's family were like, oh, hey, Todd, don't you have cameras over there? And he was like, You're- you saved us. I'll go get the camera footage. And then he realized they had been knocked down by the cats. That's such a ridiculous story. It, it really is. Now, next, investigators made a startling discovery. While searching Todd's iPad, they discovered that Todd had made several searches for websites about cheating spouses. And these websites focused on things like cheaters always being cheaters, historical treatment of cheating spouses, and similar topics, including stories about how the Aztecs handle cheating women. And spoilers, a lot of these sites seem to be focusing on murdering or torturing or punishing cheating wives. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, now he'd been reading these revenge stories about cheating spouses since January 2018, almost a full year before this murder happens. Right, so he's been basically fantasizing this whole year. Yes, like, I'm sorry, but if you have resorted to what do the Aztecs do in this situation, really? Yeah, maybe don't do what the Aztecs do. Really? Like... I mean... Seriously. Yeah, like there's a lot of like sacrifice and murder and stuff mm-hmm. that was going down. I mean, like, how did he handle a bad crop season? Like for reals, like <laughs> sacrificing some yeah, virgins. Yeah, maybe they should look for some farmhands out there on the friggin' farm if he's looking at what the Aztecs did for stuff. Like I'm not trying to shame the Aztecs. Obviously, the Aztecs are amazing and super cool. I'm just saying, like there was some murderiness going on. We yeah. all know it. We all we all read the stories. That's true. And like I'm just saying, we shouldn't be like following their game plan for all the things that they do because that's probably not a good plan for health and safety. That's not all. Dun, dun, dun. Because four days before Amy's murder, Todd also searched for diagrams of human organs and where they're located in the body. That's not suspicious at all. Yeah, like a totally normal search that you would make that just so happens to be four days before your wife is impaled with a corn rake. This guy is just not good at planning murder. Also, he's just the... Who does this? Like... Of all the weapons, like, I get it that he was going for a farm accident, but of all the weapons you could pick, a corn rake? Yeah. Really? That's... uh. Like, there, I mean, you should never murder someone, but there's, like, nicer ways to do it. Like, again, don't do it. But if you were going to do it, I just feel like it's less bad to not impel people. Yeah. No. Again, no murders are the ideal. That is correct. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, this is just extra bad. It's like that that diabolical show where it's like, all murders are bad, but some murders are Are diabolical. diabolical. They need to make more episodes of that so I can watch it. Authorities arrested Todd, surprised, and charged him with first-degree murder because he tried to plan it. He didn't do a good job, but he tried. Um, His trial started in September 2019. Now, prosecutors argued that Amy's murder was up close and violent, so clearly it had to be personal. They believe that Todd killed his wife and allegedly he struck her in the back with this corn rake once to knock her down and then a second time to kill her. I'm assuming the second time was like an oopsie of like, oh no, I thought this was going to work after one time, but okay, we got to do it again. Now, then he tricked his son into finding his mother dead because he's the worst. Yeah, that's a terrible thing to do to your son. Yeah, just like if you're going to murder someone, which don't, but if you were, like don't involve a child in it. I, yeah. I hate it when I'm watching these shows and the parent sends their child in to go find their dead parent. What are you doing? Why are you like this? I know. That's just such a, that's so sadistic. What is wrong with you? Yeah, because like that memory's going to be with that poor kid his whole life. Exactly. That's also why I can't be like a murder detective because I would try to go in like all brave like, hey, like tell us what happened. And then like they'd start with their bullshit and I'd be like, what is wrong with you? Like, why the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no. You piece of shit. Also, they have to lie to them sometimes. It's so hard watching those interrogations where the cops like, yeah, like, 
I heard, I heard she cheated on you. Like you just, you had to cut her head off. Right. And it's like, oh my God, really? Okay. And they're, they're trying to like sympathize with them. Like you're the only one that could take care of this. The only answer was cutting her head off. Like really? Okay. That's what we're going with. That's what we're going to, that's the tactic we're taking. I would like never be able to do that. And I would definitely be like a hoe about it if I were the other cop. Yeah. Like the the cop that's supposed to be like the good cop that's not identifying with the murderer. I just feel like I would be like, uh-uh, no, we do not need to be cutting people's heads off. The cop's like looking at me like, I'm trying to set him up for shit. Please stop interrupting <laughs> me. Like that is not, I do not feel sorry for you. <laughs> at trial, the prosecutor played clips from Todd's 911 call. Um, they claimed that in the call, you can hear him whispering as he's doing chest compressions. The words, cheating whore and go to hell cheating whore. We have listened to these recordings multiple times. And I'm not totally sure I can make out what he was saying, just being honest. Yeah, I was in the same boat. So, like, for me, I, I just have to say the audio quality sounds a lot like when people are ghost hunting. And they're using, like, the spirits, spirit box thingies. Or maybe even just recording EVPs. And then they're like, it sounds like he's saying, we kill you. And yeah. then, yeah. And then they're, they're like, they're like playing it over. And it's like, we kill you. And like, we heard it. We heard it. Yeah. That's a very good comparison. Because like when somebody tells you, hey, he's saying cheating horde. And you're like, I can kind of hear that. But honestly, if somebody yeah. told you they're saying something else, you could probably hear I, that too. Yeah. So like you can kind of hear, but also maybe not. So it's kind of up for interpretation. So we don't know. Yeah. Now, at trial, the defense agreed that Amy's death wasn't an accident. It was murder, but Todd didn't commit it. If he didn't, who did? I'm not sure why they decided to go with this tactic. Todd is mad. He claims they should have stuck with accident. But I feel like the problem was, is that once the medical examiner determined it was homicide, arguing that she somehow fell on the rake more than one time is just really... Yeah, there's no way you can argue it yeah, at that point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I'm the prosecutor, I'm going to bring out the fucking corn rake and show them how ludicrous that is. And you know how I do. Like, there'd be like a whole day of dumb scenarios where I'm like, all right, this is what would happen if the corn rake were laying on the ground. Here's the corn rake on the wall. Here's what the corn rake fell on her. Look how, look how this doesn't work. This doesn't even work, y'all. Like, this is the corn rake fucking fell and then nothing happened. I just feel like it's like, I told Aaron this earlier for everyone out there, but if you had a sword that was on your table and you like walked into the sword, the sword is not going to plunge in you because it's not like no one's thrusting it. It might hurt you and you might get a, like a pricked or like a little tiny bit stabbed or cut or something, but it's not going to like thrust through your body because it's just, you know, laying there. I'm just not, it's not, I'm, I'm not understanding how the, the corn rake is actively like burying itself into this woman twice. <laughs> Yeah. With no assistance from like, a human person. Yeah, in her back, right? Yeah, in her freaking back. Yeah, like, like, seriously, like, guys. It's like she did like a trust fall onto the rake, you know? And, yeah. And then she got up and, and did And then it again. she did it more than... No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. He also tried to claim that she Googled... That she may have Googled the, the Aztec cheating stuff on her own. Like, Bullshit. really? Are you serious? Come on now. Like, he's like, yeah, that was on my iPad, but it wasn't me. Amy used it, too, and maybe the kids. Like, really, Amy's the one that's looking up, like, what happened to Aztec cheating wives? Like, oh, geez, I'm glad I'm cheating in 2020 or 2018. Uh-huh. Really? That's what we're going with, Todd? You couldn't think of a better idea than that? Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Also, I, I don't like Todd. I was going to say I hate Todd, but that's probably bad for me to be hating people. Todd, you suck for killing people. Okay. All right, so we got off topic. We're getting a little unprofessional again. We're trying, everyone. We're trying to be cool. So Todd took the stand for some reason to tell the jury that he didn't kill his wife. As you know from watching True Crime, the murderer almost never takes the stand in their own defense unless they're like a humongous narcissist and their lawyer is unable to physically stop them. 
Yeah, it's usually a bad idea yeah, to take the stand in your own Exactly. Defense. Unless you're like Ted Bundy level like narcissist, it's not a super great idea, especially if like you probably did it. I mean like especially if you know you damn well did it. What are you doing? Like you fucking know you did it. Are you is this like your Hail Mary I'm going to try to convince these people? I mean, you you have to recognize that if you've committed the murder, you are kind of a not a great person and you're not able to like have normal emotions. Like I'm not trying to be mean to you. But, like, you are a murderer, so, like, it's less, like, I feel like it's less bad to be mean to you. But being honest, if you've killed someone, like, be aware that, like, you're not on the same wavelength as the rest of us. You're not going to be able to convince them that you didn't do it. Because you don't have the right emotions to convey that to us. That's true. I mean, you, maybe if you're, like, some next level, like, sociopath with, like, a lot of charisma, maybe. But, like, most of you, no, you don't do it. That's why you always come off as cold on the stand. And like you, you, you let down your guard. Like we can tell that you're, you're not a good person because you aren't able to convey adequate emotions. Yep. And this is what happened with Todd. So he gets up there and everyone said he was cold, emotionless. And he was like focusing on his own bullshit and not the fact that his wife died. So he was mostly complaining about all the things that happened to him and not about like, oh my God, Amy was a wonderful mom, that kind of stuff. I mean, even if she cheated on you, she's, if she's been murdered, like certainly you have some good memories to talk about. Right. And there's no doubt that she was a good mom to the kids. So, like, he couldn't talk about that. You would think you would. I mean, if you were in that situation, you would think you would have something else to talk about. Because, like, a regular person that didn't have problems that allowed them to murder people would have recognized that their children were sad because their mom died and be able to at least muster some emotion for their sad kids. And the fact that Todd was up there just, like, not doing any of that is was a rig red flag to the jury. Yep. Anyway, so, as you can probably guess, the jury found Todd guilty of first-degree murder, which carries a mandatory sentence of life in prison. Good. Now, Todd immediately fired his legal team and hired a whole new legal team and requested a new trial. He just went, like, balls to the wall, new trial right out the gate. Like, not even doing, like, an appeal or anything. He's, like, after the verdict, he's all like, new trial. It's like... That one didn't go the way I wanted. Let's yes, try it again. new trial, hardcore. Now, his reasons for new trial were, one, prosecutorial misconduct. Now, his new legal team argued that the prosecutor shouldn't have played that 911 call and then speculated about what he was saying. Now, in her defense, she played it while she was cross-examining him, so it's his dumbass fault for getting on the stand in the first place. But also, she asked him what he was saying, and he had no answer. Like, if you weren't saying cheating whore, wouldn't you be like, oh, that was just me, like, grunting while I was putting in forth effort, or I was singing singing the, the Staying Alive song to keep, like, rhythm as I was doing CPR. Like, you don't even have anything that you could say. You're just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. If you're going to get on the stand, you got to have a better story than that. Yeah, or you could just be like, honestly, if you if you don't, like, why were you even saying stuff? Like, if you're doing CPR... And you're, and you're having trouble keeping your breath. Wouldn't you just say, I didn't say anything because I could barely breathe myself because I'm not that healthy, no offense to him? That would make that would be a better story. I'm just saying, like, also in this case, I'm only saying that if you actually didn't say cheating horn. Yeah, for sure. And to point, like, to be clear, the jury also said that's not why they convicted him. It was not based on the tapes. Yeah, there's a lot now, of other evidence yeah. here. Now, another reason they wanted a new trial was that they claimed the expert who testified about Todd's internet searches wasn't a real expert. Now, I don't fully understand how they were making this argument. It seemed to be that basically he shouldn't have been called an expert on the stand when he testified. Um, but that was one of the arguments. And then finally, Todd's new legal team said that he had ineffective assistance of counsel from his original trial lawyers because they wouldn't claim that it was like a humongous accident. That's ridiculous. 
I agree with that. Now, I and you agree, and also so did the judge. And the judge ruled that the defense team didn't really provide the right type of claims and evidence for the venue they were in, which was sentencing, because they wanted this done before sentencing. And he basically told them that if they wanted to make these claims, they had to do a formal appeal like a normal person. Um, And based on these reasons, the judge denied Todd a new trial and sentenced him to life in prison without parole. Good. He was also ordered to pay the victim's family a restitution of $150,000. Good. Yeah. Now, at this point, the three Mullis children are currently living with Amy's family, so they are safe with people that love them. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And Todd is in jail plotting his appeals. Where he belongs. Where he belongs. Now, he still says he didn't do it, but, I mean, be serious. Yeah, for real. Like, I feel like it's hard for me because I'm not saying Amy was a perfect person because you should not be cheating on people. And honestly, if you're unhappy in your marriage, people, as we've said previously on the podcast, just get divorced. Like, be serious. Like, don't cheat on them. Don't, like, just break up with them. And then you can have sex with whoever you want. Yep, don't murder people. Yeah, just be like, I'm leaving you. And then just move out and then you can bone. That's also, that's not classy to say. But you can. I'm just saying if you want to. I'm not the boss. It's classier than murder. It is classier than murder. Like, I don't understand these cases where people are, like, unhappy in a marriage and they're just like, I'm going to murder this person. Or, like, I don't want to have to share my house or I don't want to have to split my money or my debt or share the kids on the weekend. Like, just you new lives are can be awesome. Like, it does suck to obviously start over. I mean, everyone's had to start over at some point, right? And we've all had those start over moments. It's always hard to start your life over. But... It's also kind of fun if you really, if you try to look at it that way and you can build it better than last time. That's true. And things change and people, people change. Everything changes. You don't have to like, you don't kill people is what I'm trying to say. Yes, please And also starting over your life in jail is really sucky. I mean, it's always sucky. There's not like a good part of starting your life over in jail. Nope. I mean, except for if your life is really sad. To be fair, that the Gypsy Rose person, Blanchard, you know, the one that her mom Munchausen her. She did be happy in jail. She did be happy. That's a sentence. That's a sentence. I have two English degrees. That's a sentence. Certified a real sentence by me. (laughs) All right, people. Thank you for listening. This was a longer episode. And we appreciate you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this case. Not in like a gross way where you're like weird. But like in a normal, interesting case kind of way. Um, I thought that it was compelling that this involved a corn rake and an idiot. So I hope that you also enjoyed that. Absolutely. I I know I did. Yes. And also, um, I hope that you have an amazing week and we will see you very soon with a super amazing new episode that's bigger and better than ever. Bye. Bye. Bye.